Welcome to the Faith is Not Blind podcast. I'm Kevin Knight, and I'm here today in Gothenburg, Sweden, with Samuel Huglund. Samuel, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. I'd love to begin by just hearing a little bit about how you came into the church. How did you become a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Mm -hmm. uh, I grew up in the church with my parents, my family. Actually, I'm third generation member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, both on my father's and my mother's side. Oh, wow. So we have uh, deep roots. Yeah, okay. So this is uh, when so many of those early Swedish saints moved to America, you're kind of that, that, that group, you're, you're from that group that uh, was among the first to stay and really build mm -hmm. up the church in Sweden. So yes. a lot of proud, both Latter-day Saint and Swedish mm -hmm. heritage there in, in building the foundation of the church. Um, so you grew up in the church. <clears throat> Excuse me. Did you, was it, were you kind of on, was it a foregone conclusion that you were going to stay part of the church? Like how, how did you, when you come from that kind of, pioneer early church heritage, um, it, it can sometimes feel like that decision might, be, it might have been made for you. You were on the path. Mm. How, what was that like for you to, to, in the back of your mind, know that you came from multiple generations of the church? Uh, actually, I, th you, you, I think you're right that it's probably, it was, all, it was a path set for me that I would uh, be in the church and remain in the church, but I never had a problem with that. Uh, I just, um, I, I sort of, I, I, I see myself as a sort of a deep thinker, uh, so I, I think a lot, uh, don't communicate um, that much or well, I think, so uh, this is a little uncomfortable or uh, challenging for me, but uh, as, a, as a thinker, I always thought about the principles that I was taught and grew up in this good environment where so much good existed. Um, and I, I soon realized that all the things that I heard or were taught were good. So I did not have a problem at all with being part of something that's good. Okay. So it's, uh, I think from very early on, I, I knew I was going on a mission um, and the ward I grew up in, I think at the, at the time when I was young or youth, was really strong. All my friends uh, went on missions and we had great examples of many, many years of, of uh, young men serving missions and coming back with great stories of faith. Uh, so I feel a little bit like I'm, 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 I'm reading a book or, or hearing a story or watching a movie where uh, I'm like on the edge of my seat waiting for then what happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. it, almost, it almost seems so perfect. Mm -hmm. um, did anything ever happen? Have you ever, have you ever felt that, that foundation start to, to crack or to shake or to waver in any way? Yes. Uh, it was in 2011 okay. that I got my real challenge of faith. Uh, by then I was, I had been home from a mission. I married. Uh, a year after I returned, uh, we had to wait a little bit longer than we wanted for our first uh, child. But we had, in 2011, we had just gotten our third child, okay. uh, a son, and we were really happy. Uh, and I thought everything was going great. I, I, I liked my life, my church, my, my job. I just got a really fantastic new, great job. And I thought, well, I'll just 
sit, sit back and endure to the end, uh, I thought. Mm -hmm. uh, but then something happened in the space of a week, I think. Uh, actually, I want to start the week before it really happened. The week before we, we met together, we have a, a group of friends that often meet maybe once or twice a year, not as much as we want to, but we're sort of childhood friends that meet and we're all in the church and we live different places now. And, but sometimes we get together and share our, our life with each other. And this particular time uh, was when one of our, our friends, actually it's my, my cousin and her husband, I think they lived in Indonesia at the time, but they were on a return trip to Sweden and just wanted to meet all their friends. So we met uh, that evening and that was a really special evening, I realize now after what happened, uh, because we got really into the gospel in our discussion and my cousin and her husband they shared with us uh, very personal uh, things about their life and their experiences um, and they basically bore a long deep very deep uh, testimony to us in the group uh, and i felt really wow this is powerful this is strong i felt the spirit uh, i thought what a great experience that they had through tribulation of course uh, so and that was uh, i think it was in august 2011 and a week after on on the sunday the week after um, i got the news that um, my dear brother my younger brother uh, he uh, gave me the information that uh, he basically didn't believe the church anymore. He was just like me. Uh, he's just, I think, 18 months younger than me, served a mission and married, married in the temple. And our families are very like, we're almost copies of each other. Uh, and he said that he had gone through a process uh, of investigating the church uh, and its history. And he said he could no longer be part of it anymore. And that really came to a shock to me, like lightning from a, a clear sky. Mm -hmm. I, had, I hadn't noticed anything. Uh, maybe I was very naive uh, to think that anyone, anything was, was going on. Um, and we, were, we always saw each other. We, we lived really close in the same neighborhood. Our children grew up together and always played. So we saw each other all the time. And I never, never suspected anything like this. So it, it really came as a shock. Uh, but uh, then when I, I, I called my parents to, to discuss this, have you heard? And they said, yes, we, we have heard. And uh, then I realized that my parents, they agreed with him. So they had, for many years, had uh, difficulties with the church. And they said that there were so many unanswered questions. So in the end, uh, there were so many open questions with no answers. So it just, the, the shelf that these questions were put on just broke down. Mm. 
So they, uh, uh, they, I think they are socially still connected to the church and its members, but uh, the faith is not there anymore. So that, all that happened in just a week, I think. I got all that information and uh, came from out of nowhere. So that's that, that's that became the start of my trial of faith. What, what did you, so you were obviously shocked, as mm-hmm. you describe it, lightning out of, out of the clear skies. Yeah. Did it, what was your immediate reaction to it? Did it, did it leave you with a sense of like hopelessness? Did it, did it make you start to wonder yourself? Did it, did you just put it out of your mind mm-hmm. and, and try to keep going? I, I soon realized that this is not something I can put out, out of my mind. Uh, I, it left me with a, um, a clear suspense, uh, fear and doubt. What is it that I don't know that these, my family knows that I don't know. And I knew that being the thinker and the sort of uh, the inquiring mind that I have, I knew I was going to find out everything sooner or later. Um, but, uh, I think I'm grateful that I think I, I was, I was humble enough to realize that I cannot go headlong into this without preparation. Um, but I knew that I will have my own process and finding out everything that my, my relatives knew. Uh, that's sort of, I, I think, maybe a little bit of a weakness to me as well. I'm too proud to let someone have the best of me, okay. so to say. Um, so I knew that oh, if they know things that I don't, I better find out. Uh, but I also knew that if I do this and do it properly, it will protect me. Right. It, will, um, it will help me. Uh, and. Uh, as long as they have more knowledge than me, I thought, they have power over me. And the more I studied Joseph Smith, his teachings, uh, his teachings resonated with me, that knowledge is a principle of salvation. That really resonated with me. So I began a search for knowledge. As you began this search, <clears throat> did, you, did your family package this all up and say, here's what you need to read? Did you... Uh, find your own path. Where 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 did you go to, as you say, mm. become as knowledgeable about this this all of this information as you possibly could be? Uh, I I think I basically shut my family out. This is my process. I'm going going to do this my way. Interesting. So uh, I didn't want uh, actually the first three weeks. I had discussions mainly with my father uh, and I, I was just in such disbelief and I just threw out random questions and what about this, what about that and he just uh, he said back like uh, and gave me small crumbs of information uh, that led me to uh, problematic issues I guess uh, and I would really dig into something, a crumb that I got, uh, and I would really investigate that, and I would be in a in a in a process of really. I was shaken, and I would 
part of it I, I would is this real is this true can this be be true and then I would read some more and I would be relieved oh this is okay now I know and then I would read something new and it was oh it hit me again so I was really on really shaky ground for three weeks just back and forth it could it could be half an hour between I have faith in the church and the next half hour oh I, I'm, I'm lost will this take me out of the, out of the church uh, so it was back and forth mm. for three weeks and then I realized that I cannot go on like this this will this will really destroy me if I go on like this uh, just uh, getting crumbs here and there and uh, and things like that. So after three weeks, I, th I said to myself, I need to stop this and do this my way. So uh, I started, uh, I stopped conversing with my, my relatives uh, and began my own process. And I always had a list in my mind of gospel topics or things I wanted to study. Uh, so I had a long list, but never had time to dig into. But I, th I thought, now is the time. Mm -hmm. I really need to uh, read the things I always wanted to read. What were some of these topics that were on your list? Um, I had tasted some of Hugh Nibley's works. Okay. So Hugh Nibley was high on my list. Okay. I want to read more from him. Uh, so the first I did uh, was I also realized that I need to focus my my faith on the Book of Mormon. So somehow, I know it's difficult now, but somehow I, I found links to 112 lectures by Hugh Nibley on the Book of Mormon. Mm -hmm. That was four semesters worth of Book of Mormon lectures that I found on, I think it was Maxwell Institute. Mm -hmm. um, they're really hidden now, but I found them just this week. Uh, but I read those 112 lectures. It was they were transcribed, I, I believe, from some audio recording of his, uh, four semesters worth. And I read that in three weeks. So I, I, I studied four semesters worth in, in three weeks, and that just boosted my testimony of the Book of Mormon um, so much. So I, I, I felt that, oh, I've gained some solid ground now. Uh, but I didn't stop there. I, I, I think I next uh, delved into, of course, I read a lot of his, um, his books on uh, the Book of Abraham mm -hmm. uh, and how he addressed criticisms on the Book of Abraham. Uh, criticism that, that can be very potent, uh, but I found uh, Unibly to be such a reassurance uh, and solidified my, my faith in, in the Book of Abraham as well. Uh, I then read a lot of his other writings, Lehi in the Desert, uh, the Temple and the Cosmos. I mm -hmm. really became fascinated with the teachings of the Temple. Uh, and then I also, I, I noticed that a lot of criticism is, uh, is uh, pointed at Brigham Young. So I thought, I need to learn more about Brigham Young. So I found a great resource on the internet, uh, which had a lot of Brigham Young's lectures or sermons in chronological order. Mm -hmm. So I started with the first one and just read through them all. 
and I don't know how many they were, but I feel like I probably read over a hundred uh, sermons by Brigham Young uh, by the time I was finished. Um, and that just gave me a, a whole new perspective of Brigham Young and the early church uh, right. and their situation. And, and, and I found that I agreed with so much he was teaching. I just, uh, he was speaking to a, a, a fellow convert most of the time. Uh -huh. uh, and I partly, also partly because I, I was interested in Brigham Young was, I heard, uh, I, um, I became aware of the criticisms of the Adam God theory mm -hmm. that Brigham Young had. So I wanted to learn more about that. What did Brigham Young really say? So I, as I read through these hundreds of sermons, I always, when he, 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 uh, he said anything about Adam or Eve, my ears just shut up and I, I took notice and I, I recorded everything he, I found that he had said. So there's a few things that are jumping out at me, mm -hmm. <clears throat> themes that I'm seeing in, in your story. Hmm. The first is you wanted to chart your own course here. Yeah. You, you wanted to know for yourself. Which, which is very interesting. It's, it's very much the path to conversion. Um, mm. It just happens that it came later in your life and mm. three generations into your family's membership in the church. The second is that you were incredibly studious. I mean, this is, this was, there were no shortcuts to this. You were mm. reading hundreds and hundreds of documents and talks and hundreds of hours, I'm sure, of effort over mm. a pretty concerted period of time. The third is that you were often going directly to the source. So when you wanted to know about Brigham Young, rather than going to mm -hmm. digests or summaries of historians' perspectives on Brigham Young, you went and read Brigham Young's words. Um, and the fourth is that this entire exercise strikes me as highly intellectual. Uh, we sometimes hear, and that resonates a lot with me, I think that sometimes we're quick to say, well, it's faith. Mm. So you just have to believe, like you have to listen to your heart. And yet in the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord told us that he would tell us in our mind and our heart. And in fact, he said mind first. Hmm. But what role did the heart play in, in your navigating and studying and, and intellectualizing and digesting mentally all of this stuff? Hmm. I, think, I think it's great when it says in, in the scriptures uh, to study by learning but also by faith. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I had my faith uh, with me all this time uh, because I think faith determines what you study uh, or how you uh, internalize what you study. Uh, I, th I think I have come to realize that you will find what you seek. Mm. Uh, the scriptures say tells us or commands us to seek and you shall find. And so I believe that you can seek for almost anything and find it. So if you f want to find great faith and seek after it, you will find it. But if you will seek after your doubts or seek after faults, you will find it. Um, so that's, I think, what is what I realized. I hope that during this process, uh, I, I've, uh, I think, over the last, yeah, since 2011, my mind has opened so much 
to new possibilities and to new uh, uh, that there are room for things that I have never thought before. Uh, and if I leave these openings, uh, the Lord can really teach me and give me the revelations I need. I think that if you set up, and I think Joseph Smith is so great when he teaches about it, if you put out stakes or limitations on God, uh, you will limit the amount of revelation he can give you. Mm. Uh, but if you have an open mind and um, and study things out, not a shallow, uh, quick study, but really dig into things, deep things, and but always with an open mind to where your study takes you, the Lord will reveal to you uh, what you're seeking. As you as you talk through your story, it strikes mm -hmm. me that you. You sound very hopeful as, mm -hmm. as you're, as you're t talking about kind of your state of mind through that journey. journey. And, and the scriptures tell us that there's a relationship between hope and faith. But there must have been times when you were in that three-week period and you felt like you were going from, you know, firm ground one half hour to 30 mm -hmm. minutes later, just, you know, your world being upended. How did you keep the hope in times when it might have been hard to keep the faith? That's a great question. Actually, that's why I started the week before uh, when I uh, mentioned the group that we were that came together, our, our friends, and we really got served a great testimony. That was the testimony that I held on to onto for three weeks. Not my own testimony. It was, it's, it's curious how everything I'd learned for, I think, was it 30, 33 years, something like that, 34 years? It just vanished. It was like it didn't matter. But the one thing that was fresh in my mind was that, that testimony from a week before. From friends. Yeah, from friends that kept me floating. It was their testimony. Mm -hmm. uh, that gave you hope. Yeah. So I, I, I feel so blessed that the Lord really, he knew what was coming. And he wanted to protect me in a way, but he also wanted me to have this experience. I think that is so interesting because so many of us who are multi-generational members of the church initially established our testimonies as an extension of our parents' testimonies. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and in this case, your parents told you they no longer had a testimony, <laughs> must have called into question the, the very foundations of your own testimony, but this is a, a, a poignant reminder of why we worship together, mm. right? And, and, and how mm -hmm. sometimes those words that we will hold on to that will give us hope as we, as we navigate challenging and trying times, sure, sometimes they'll come from parents and sometimes they'll come from spouses. Sometimes they mm. might come from children, but sometimes they might come from friends mm. or apostolic voices or the scriptures. And that's a, that's a powerful reminder. Mm. Thank you so much, Samuel. Thank you.